Pop Health Week is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. Health Innovation Media brings your brand messaging alive via original or value-added, digitally curated content for omni-channel distribution and engagement. Connect with us at www.popupstudio.productions. Welcome everyone, I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media and the producer and co-host of Pop Health Week. Joining me in the virtual studio is my partner, colleague, and lead co-host of Pop Health Week, Fred Goldstein, President of Accountable Health, LLC. On today's show, our guest is Sri Ambadi, the CEO and founder of H2O.ai. H2O is a visionary Silicon Valley open-source software company that creates and reimagines what is possible. A company of makers that brought to market new platforms and technologies to drive the AI movement. H2O is the leading open source data science and machine learning platform used by nearly half of the Fortune 500 and trusted by over 18,000 organizations and hundreds of thousands of data scientists around the world. H2O democratizes big data science and makes Hadoop do math for better predictions. Prior to H2O, Shri co-founded Platforma and was the Director of Engineering at Datastax. Before that, he was Partner and Performance Engineer at Java Multicore Startup Azul Systems, tinkering with the entire ecosystem of enterprise apps at scale. Shri is known for his knack for envisioning killer apps in fast-evolving spaces and assembling stellar teams towards productizing that vision. So, Fred, with that introduction, over to you. Help us get to know Sri and his work at H2O.ai. Thanks so much, Greg. And Sri, welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you for having us, Fred. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Always love getting into the areas of AI, healthcare, all the cool stuff. So, why don't we start a little bit? Give us a little bit of your background, how you started the company, and sort of what the company's doing now. Well, H2O is a movement, and um, we are trying to democratize AI and make AI accessible and bring it to every every person's fingertips and change lives in the world. Democratizing AI, um, AI has historically been uh, around with us for a very long time, much before we all were here. But I think uh, it was um, the haves and the have-nots of the algorithms have been kind of having a big difference. And so our mission is to make every every company an AI company and make them use it. So we used open source to do that and um, made um, it started with an incredible uh, pool of um, talent. And this was uh, one of the world's top data scientists, mathematicians, physicists, uh, software engineers, a college to a home. And what we've done is essentially make it really simple to uh, both um, process large and small data sets and produce insights and decisions from data. Mm-hmm. And you're in a lot of different industries. Obviously, we'll focus today on healthcare, but some of the other places you work in or people that use your products? So we've um, about a a good third of our customer base is actually in financial services and um, insurance. And we found that um, one of the top use cases for us is uh, fraud prevention or uh, subprime credit scoring. Democratizing credit is uh, just as passionate. Uh, We are just as passionate about it. But as you can see, uh, health is the most important wealth, and most people um, lose their credit history or um, lose their path uh, towards a safe retirement because of um, uh, improper health. And some of the core themes behind our health has been healthcare has focused on uh, was more on care. We want to focus more on health, and um, or the optimizing function we want to 
have for uh, this industry is health divided by care. Well, how little care does one need to be to live a uh, long, fruitful life? The, it all started with the core um, uh, genesis of the company. Started the company because there weren't enough tools to uh, process uh, large data sets, uh, especially in, in uh, oncology. My mom was uh, diagnosed with cancer and uh, data sets used for lumpectomy versus mastectomy were very, very small. So we were uh, understanding why, the, I was diagnosing the problem of why people are not using world-class software to address these problems. And we found that open source was not approved or FDA approved. And so what we did was essentially build a world-class software out in the open so the world can use it. And uh, if anything, we have seen a, a fast follow to the pandemic, we have seen an epidemic of dashboards but but uh, that speaks to how widespread um, technology and data and data analytics has become. But um, what the pandemic has also done is it's fully humbled us um, in terms of how much more is to be done. So um, we are super excited to announce it to AI Health with some of our, and we put together an incredible team and uh, some of our core customer base, whether it's uh, the likes of Kaiser or Hospital Corporation of America, or um, the open source uh, users. Um, so we begin to start, uh, put our team to help with the mission of being there where we are needed. Mm -hmm. Now it's fantastic. And you mentioned some of your, your clients, you know, HCA and some others. Can you give us some examples of the work you do in that? I know as I've looked through your website and things, there's a lot of really sort of population health type focused approaches you're taking to look at various issues. So what are some of the things you're doing for these various companies in the healthcare space? or how are they using your product to develop products for themselves? At the heart of it, we were essentially, we found ourselves um, uh, trying to help Pfizer, for example, predict flu, California flu predictions a few years ago. And uh, quickly those problems led us to start looking at predictions for COVID, if you will. And, um, and during COVID, a lot of our customers were stressed on their supply chain, PPE or oxygen. Um, and a lot of our customers have been trying to assess uh, high-risk groups. And uh, if a hospital was close to a senior facility and multi-hospital systems, how do how do you kind of predict demand, uh, people coming to the hospital? Oh, nursing, staffing, uh, simple issues such as uh, even operationally operational efficiencies. But then um, one uh, at the next level, we started looking at clinical trials for some of our other customers, especially um, rare uh, disease. Um, uh, how to kind of um, um, kind of uh, match patients with the right kind of uh, regime. A lot of our customers started looking at oxygen saturation levels. Like for example, um, we have um, worked with one of the community hospital. The bulk of what we've done is essentially help our frontline workers. Right, sort of, I mean, it's, uh, healthcare workers have been at the front lines of this war, and we are trying to be um, on the side, help them to the extent we can with uh, data and analytics and AI. Mm -hmm. And I know we'll get to COVID in a, in a little bit and talk some more in depth about some of the unique stuff you're doing there. But as I looked at it, I mean, you talked about starting with flu season prediction, but you go into fraud detection, cancer detection, imaging, personalized drug matching. It's really a broad array that people are using your things for. And I tend to think a company is trying to focus in one area. How is it that you've been able to create something that's that ubi ubiquitous? Well, we took an iconic name, H2O. Um, they're trying to live up to it. To some degree, we, we, have, we want AI to be ubiquitous. Um, I mean, what we have, we're repackaging it in different ways, but really we're talking about math. And mathematics is the language of the universe. 
and nature. And we are trying to essentially use it to get some more um, reasoning behind, get some more pattern cognition to what's happening. As it turns out, a rare condition is one in a million or one in 10,000 cases. And that's typically how we are looking at data. Certain algorithms like random forest or uh, boosting, boosting the signal, um, these um, techniques are just as similar to solve when you're solving a fraud prevention problem, but they're also just as similar. Um, so we took the best in class techniques applied in financial services. Oftentimes we find ourselves borrowing those techniques and applying them in healthcare or insurance and see uh, spectacular uh, low hanging fruit in those spaces. Sometimes it's about data. So finding good patterns uh, in the data, what we call feature engineering, and uh, we have the world's best uh, platforms to do that. So, so that allows customers to apply problem, uh, solve problems in a broad, broad scope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I know. I you talked about the math, and I, w I was reading some of the blog posts, and as they got more in depth into the technical aspects of them, I, I kind of lost myself a little bit there, which is really fascinating to me to say, you know you've really looked at this from a technological approach, a technical approach, how, what algorithms you're using to go and solve these problems. And, you know, it's interesting, we recently had uh, an individual with Change Healthcare on the show, and I noticed you're also doing work with them as well. And, uh, and they actually talk extremely favorably about that. Can you talk a little bit about what you've done with Change? Well, Change is actually um, a, a, providing a data exchange, which sort of in many ways for all the providers. And we found that, um, and uh, we found that um, at the heart of all of problem solving is data, and change has brought a ton of um, centralized um, uh, repository. And what they've done essentially is used our algorithms to streamline a lot of kind of uh, both conversion of unstructured data to structured data, and then from structured data applying algorithms to kind of pull out uh, simple insights that powered uh, their um, end users. And it's, it's actually exciting to see them merge with one of our favorite customers, uh, United Health Group and Optum, and um, both of whom have been very, one of the earliest adopters of our open source uh, H2O. And um, they were, um, they've given us so many good insights on how to apply AI, whether to look at fast moving vectors, whether to look at um, uh, fraud prevention in, um, in insurance side, to helping payers, helping providers. So I think it's, um, I think the the core of um, of the um, of what we're seeing with our customers is applying um, intelligence to solve problems um, and predict them as opposed to looking. So historically, you have BI, which is looking behind. AI is looking ahead for patterns and predicting them mm -hmm. uh, and adapting to them beforehand. The rate at which data is changing, we need um, machine learning to solve machine-generated data. And so I think that's kind of roughly, uh, historically, we would look at queries to understand data. What we're doing now is machine learning to kind of predict what's likely to happen in the data. And if, if somebody wanted to, say, begin to introduce AI into their healthcare system, let's say it was a provider, how would they go about working with you? Would they would they get a hold of you and then you have this platform they can put their data into and you help them do that, help them understand the AI behind it and the predictions that they get out of it? Is that how you work with groups? At the heart of um, what we've done is we've essentially made the product so easy to install and be consumed 
um, either from um, data science um, faculties or data engineers, if they are doing anything um, in the world of data lakes, anything in the world of uh, Snowflake or online, offline, uh, on-prem, they are already probably having a, uh, a library from us which is doing their core math. And um, our, our um, practice starts when they started looking, when they start trying to productionize the uh, usage of this. We auto generate a lot of the production inference engines. So you have two, two phases in the, um, in the day, in the life cycle of um, data. You're learning from data, uh, we call it training. And then you're scoring new data that's passing by. And that's called the inference. So what we do is auto-generate the inference engines for these um, data scientists so that they can go into production much more faster. And so typically today H2O is, uh, is almost a necessary skill set for most data scientists doing practice. So our open source software is running already on their uh, servers um, or in their cloud environments. And then when they're trying to uh, optimize, um, automate more of the uh, functions um, look for automatic detection of change in data and retrain the models or, um, or all the ancillary functions needed to do the life cycle of uh, machine learning. That's where we've uh, announced H2O AI hybrid cloud. This cloud environment runs uh, where the data is. Data has gravity. And, um, and so customers uh, end up uh, partnering with us. We have a a uh, stable of incredible, some of the world's top data scientists called grandmasters are at H2O. So our, our data scientists partner with the customer to solve the first few problems, create a simple app, simple dashboard that they can take to their business users and eventually build their own app stores. I think that's the life cycle of uh, customer adoption for us. Mm -hmm. And can you talk about these data scientists? You mentioned, you know, these their rankings and grandmasters and things. Could you explain to our audience a little bit about what that is? As many of us probably, I certainly didn't know of it in advance, and I'm sure many of our audience doesn't know it as well. So just like chess, um, data science has um, competitions. And so there was a, a company um, called Kaggle, which started uh, a community. Along the same time, we started our open source communities. And so we found that these communities would be using um, the, uh, the tools and, and libraries and, uh, and platforms we're building uh, and competing um, on, um, against each other using data sets, both public and company uh, given data sets. If, you win, if someone wins five gold medals, they become a grandmaster. So uh, uh, we have 20% of the world's top um, grandmasters at H2O, world number one, Guangzhou, world number three, Philip, world number five, Mario's former world number one, world number seven. So we have the top, um, uh, several of the top um, grandmasters, um, and uh, there are about 200 of them today, and 20 of them call H2O home. Uh, these folks are working closely with our customers, finding gaps in our product, improving our products, they're uh, working closely with, um, with, um, with, with product teams to kind of um, mimic um, best practices. What this allows us is to crowdsource um, our product roadmaps, if you will. It also allows us to learn from the um, community very quickly. At the heart of AI is feedback loops. If we can connect fast feedback loops, we can learn faster and grow faster. And so for us, um, 
by bringing the users into the company, the power users into the company, the feedback loops are faster. Um, and uh, that's been an incredible uh, tool to both improve the products, but also improve the company. Mm -hmm. uh, strategically, I would say that many projects in the future will never start without a data scientist at the, at the, in, the in the team. In, in H2O, we say we don't start a product without a uh, Kaggle Grandmaster on the team. Wow. So, and, and I find that so interesting to bring that much. It's always cool to see companies that just bring in a wealth of expertise and see what then they develop and build. And you can see as you've covered such a broad spectrum of healthcare issues. I'm wondering too, obviously, I, I, as I was reading through some of your pieces, you talk a lot about it. And it's always a major issue with healthcare, cleaning the data, you know, adjusting it where you don't have data elements and things like that. And one of the issues that's come up more recently with AI is the problem of bias within the data. You, could you talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the things you might be able to do or people could do to try and ensure they don't end up in that kind of a situation? And if you're just tuning into Pop Health Week, our guest is Sri Ambadi, the CEO and founder of H2O.ai. H2O is a visionary Silicon Valley open source company that creates and reimagines what is possible. Yeah, so data has um, bias and um, historical um Historical data um, has um, collect what happened. Data is capturing experience. And so um, it's important to kind of um, um, uh, kind of rebalance it in some sense. Um, uh, avoid proxy columns, for example, proxy to race, proxy to gender, um, that uh, would otherwise be um, uh, driving to the same conclusions. And so, um, so I think that I think preventing bias uh, starts with or using simpler algorithms, which is kind of a, a contradiction in some sense, where we are pushing for deep learning with most accurate models. And as it turns out, uh, there are simpler equivalents um, in 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 uh, for two very sophisticated algorithms. So um, we we have an automatic um, model distillation function, which allows you to go from a very sophisticated model that's difficult to explain to the business user, difficult to explain to the physician on why he needs to not give this particular drug um, to a patient um, to prevent readmission. Uh, you need to simplify. We need to simplify it. And so what happens is we've created equivalents for the very sophisticated algorithm because we have built both the sophisticated algorithm and the simpler ones in the H2O uh, platform. So, so that's one side. The other side is to actually create, uh, tease out um, adversarial data testing. So where you create a, uh, how do I, uh, if I, if I pump this change, drifted this particular change, will that cause um, the model to quickly bias itself and go back to doing things that was before. So that uh, ability to create that kind of um, uh, test framework so that our validation uh, framework allows us to kind of um, make it much more uh, simpler. But fundamentally data has bias. It's not, um, we do need the bias to kind of understand and build the models, build the patterns, but um, pre uh, preventing uh, it from making, uh, jumping to conclusions very quickly, um, whether through um, um, safety, putting some safeguards and safety into the safe guardrails into the, how the model process is built. I think that's kind of where we build AutoML and um, it AutoML for us is not done without being able to be explained the model. And that's kind of where um, it's necessary to understand why the model made the decision it made because models have blind spots, just like humans. 
<laughs> and you know, speaking of bias, and we had the issue obviously with some bias and some AI in healthcare recently, was this um, is what we're seeing with COVID, where we have this differential impact on individuals, and we're seeing obviously if you built a model and those individuals weren't in the data set, you're going to end up with a different prediction than having the broad-based model that includes everybody. And you've now moved into this area of COVID and put out quite a bunch of unique features and and, and uh, programs in that area. Can you talk some about what you've done with COVID? Yeah, I think uh, COVID presented an incredible opportunity for us to take these grandmasters and uh, have them um, work closely with physicians, hospitals, uh, sometimes community hospitals where they were not ready to, they, they, they was, uh, we wanted to be there. Um, the last thing you want is the world's top talent, not working on problems of uh, that are present in today. Um, and I think uh, that gave us a wealth of insights. Um, one of the first things we, look, we found was our open source was being used in China uh, at the outset of the break, outbreak in Wuhan. And we quickly found out that um, the, the, the virus is just one of the most the, uh, uh, easiest to spread um, uh, of, of many of any any other um, public health um, disaster we've seen before. As a result, um, we could pretty much predict from even January last year that um, what is the first wave look like. Uh, customers came to us; they were trying to ask what um, uh, the, for example, the hydrochloroquine problem, or can we use any other rheumatoid um, drug to prevent going into ICU? How much drug, how much of the drug will be needed? We started working some of our customers. Uh, uh, Genentech is one of our customers. Um, so we started looking at their public plans to um, to for, for supply and demand. The other problems, um, I mean, the pandemic impacted um, uh, toilet paper, right? Sort of our cleaning supplies. Um, and so we were looking at uh, demand for um, cleaning supplies in Brazil, Malaysia, and US, how to change distribution centers. UPS is a customer of ours. So we started looking at um, how routing algorithms for a UPS truck to all the way to um, uh, what, uh, what should uh, Walgreens have in their stores. Um, we were looking at flu shot predictions in the past, but now we're looking at almost even uh, regular staples in uh, people, mm -hmm. visited, people made more visits to Walgreens. We looked at uh, mobile uh, mobility data and we were able to find out that uh, de-urbanization was a, now going to be a definitive trend. Mid-crisis, we, we could predict that folks were leaving New York City and then uh, find, calling new places homes, um, not just in Florida, but along the uh, highways um, to new places. Michigan had uh, new immigration. You saw the further outbreaks later on. Um, Walmart's local Walmart's local retailers were still having different um, um, things to stack up. So we started looking at the whole economic piece as a whole, and um, PPP loans. We we're looking at which um, which business is likely to come back. Um, uh, COVID impacted small medium businesses quite a bit, and um, um, it impacted uh, uh, women more uh, from a uh, work standpoint. Uh, a lot of women dropped out, as you can see. But um, above all, I think it impacted um, um, the, um, the Black and Hispanic community quite a bit in, in the US. Um, and so uh, we couldn't use, um, talking about bias, we couldn't use has COVID or has been infected by COVID as a variable to give loans because it was really a proxy for race in, in many places. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and long story short, we um, we found ourselves at the throes of all our customers asking for more AI, more analytics, continuously learning uh, systems, not just period quarterly models now became weekly models or daily models. And being able to react to those changing conditions became um, almost a necessary skill set for our customers. And whether they were hospitals or retailers, uh, FMCGs. So that meant that we rebuilt our entire software stack in a way that um, people can quickly deliver um, business insights by using data and the modeling became almost automatic, so semi-automatic. So that's what we released. We released Wave, which allows people to build quickly these dashboards and applications, but we also released our AI cloud as a way to reuse all these use cases into um, there. We also built an NLP engine that looks at all the publications that are happening on COVID and summarize them on a daily basis or summarize them so researchers can quickly look at what were the real trends. Uh, social networks where uh, Twitter was a huge uh, force during this um, phase. So we started looking at some of those feeds to pull up what were the topical top of the uh, trending uh, news so that we could start making uh, them available. Uh, physicians found themselves trying to adapt regime on the fly. So we started looking at uh, uh, some of the uh, community hospitals to see how we can take the best, the latest regime that was working better um, to apply for uh, most aggravated cases versus less, more oxygen um, um, uh, saturation issues. What could, how to predict um, what is the likelihood of um, someone running into a poor ICU um, uh, or not. Uh, ventilator demand was something that uh, we looked at with some of our customers. Globally, this was a very um, important, I would say, significant event of, um, of um, uh, incredible scale. I think it's gotten us um, uh, uh, to reflect more on how we can be more um, prepared for the next pandemic and uh, the variation, the mutation of the, of the, of the virus, um, B118. We started working with some of the epidemiologists um, like Nick and others who basically um, have been working on both sides of the pond, Imperial College London and here, where the data in other countries has been much more um, easy to access. Um, our practice with Singapore or Asia uh, and China, uh, the data sets were far more easy to pull up and start looking for trends. I think the US um, owes itself to to transform the public health data systems. And I think um, a lot of good um, changes coming. Telehealth, uh, efficiency of telehealth, um, that's the other trend that we are seeing. Sure. And um, so all said and done, I think um, the event horizon for innovation has been uh, fast forwarded by at least half a decade, if not a decade because of COVID. Wow. Well, I think, I mean, there is so much to unpack in the stuff you've done. It is just unbelievable. I think what we have to do, Sri, is get you back on at some point to dig a little bit deeper into some of these individual areas and get some information, some more information about what you're doing in that because it's so broad. It's unbelievable to listen to you talk different countries, different from the supply side to the demand side to the clinical side. 
you really uh, dive into a lot of it with the AI tools. So I want to thank you for coming on Pop Health Week. It's been fantastic having you as a guest. Thank you for having me. And back to you, Greg. And thank you, Fred. That is the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank Sri Ambadi, CEO and founder of H2O.ai, for his time and insights today. For more information on Sri's work at H2O, go to www.h2o.ai or follow them on Twitter via H2OAI. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode of Pop Health Week, please like us and do consider subscribing to the show on your preferred podcast platform. For Pop Health Week, my partner, Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying, I know. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 